Hey, spooky people! We have an intro now! How exciting! <laughs> I hope it scared you guys just a little bit. Uh, you guys should have seen the way we were stomping around our house <laughs> making... Like, we made all those sound effects ourselves, and we looked ridiculous. Totally DIY. We were like, how do we make UFO noises? How do we make, like, really good, thick, heavy footsteps? Oh my God. Like, we spent probably an hour stomping around, <laughs> and... Nope, that doesn't sound good enough. Let's try a different floor. Yeah. Slamming doors. We slammed every door in this house. <laughs> our neighbors definitely hate us. <laughs> They're cool, though. I hope they don't need that. Um, we used a sign that Marissa stole from outside somewhere oh, oh my God, to wait. make UFO noises. Ugh, it's right here. You gotta hear it. <laughs> I don't think I ended up using it in the final cut. I don't think we did, but it sounds so, cool, uh... nevertheless. <laughs> Boom, you've been abducted by aliens. It sounds like a UFO. It does. <laughs> um. So, yeah, what else have we been up to? We were MIA for... A month and or two, which yeah, uh, I'm sure really disappointed tens of people. That was my um, fault. I had to go back uh, home to New Jersey for the holiday, so we were separated five, uh, by distance, and it was it was tr- torturous so and long and boring. But we're back. <laughs> but now we are back in action, ready to bring you guys some more stellar content or interstellar content. Oh, Accidental pun. Accidental pun hint. I guess. Um, so we hope everybody had a really great holiday, whether it was Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Um, I think we can all agree on celebrating the end of 2020. Definitely. (laughs) Um, although 2021 started a little wild, too. (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah, if you're from America, I'm sorry. Yeah. Rip us. Yeah, we're fucked, but, you know, we're just gonna get, ride it out, we're gonna ride it out. Listen to some spooky shit. We're going to bring you spooky shit. Hell yeah. And hopefully that'll comfort you in a weird way in, you know, today's situation with the pandemic and Um, crazy people. So the one thing that we can all agree on celebrating right now is the beginning of Marissa Palooza. Because that's (laughs) right. Today is the beginning of my birth week. Feel free to start celebrating me at your leisure. Um, that'll be going on for the next seven days, or probably longer, I tend to hold on to that. Um, the whole month, the rest of the month. So yeah, we are here to help distract you from, um, all of the horrible shit going on in the government by telling you about some things that have secretly been going on in our government. That's right, folks, it's Conspiracy Theory Episode 1, also Aliens Episode 1. Um, so I'm excited. I'm very excited. This is the kind of shit I've been, like, waiting yeah. to really get into. It's some of my favorite content, so. It's gonna be a lot of information, so buckle up. Yeah, buckle up for safety, motherfuckers. Should we get right into it? Let's do it. All right, Miss Emily. Are you ready, Spaghetti? What do you have for me? Today I have for you Project Blue Book. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> uh, not the History Channel documentary, docu-series, whatever it is. Like Ancient Aliens? Yeah, there's like a show called Project Blue Book, and the only reason I know is because the whole time I was trying to research the actual Project Blue Book, all that came up was the TV show and how pissed people were that it was being canceled. Oh, shit. I guess they gotta come here for their Project Blue Book information. Guess so. Uh, Let me just take a little sippy sip of my alcohol before we start this to to make sure I'm in the right mindset. (laughs) Y'all gotta get your uh, sippy sips. Get some alcohol. Tonight I'm drinking Coke with um, cake-flavored vodka. 
And it is very good. Oh, I was going to say that sounds kind of disgusting. but It, just, I, I it tastes like, like vanilla Coke. It's real good. I don't like cake either. And I don't like vanilla, so. <laughs> uh, okay, Emily, we didn't uh, need to know that much about you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to ask any more questions. Anyway, so Project Blue Book was, as most people know, um, the government project on studying mysterious visual phenomena in the sky, a.k.a. UFO studies. Mm. That's right. We're starting episode one of Aliens, like I said. One of many. Um, one of many, yeah. I will eventually down the line, I want to cover specific UFO and weird alien encounter cases for their own individual episodes. So this specific episode is just going to be about Project Blue Book for kind of a, I don't know, introduction to aliens for some of y'all. Yeah. Um, so doing the research on this topic, I will tell you, I sifted through 87 metric fuck tons. <laughs> of very dense government information and government language, and it was horrible. It was, like, they found a way to make aliens boring, which blows my mind, but... Um, so I had to sift through a lot of that. This, I, I tried to keep a lot of the really heavy stuff out of it and just keep yeah. with some of the main points, and it did my best, but oh my god, did you know that there are 40 cubic feet of files about this in the National Archives. Really? Yeah, that's how much information there was. They had to measure Holy it in shit. feet. Holy <laughs> shit! Like, cubic feet of boxes. Sorry for all you, um, I don't know, other people in the world, we don't know how to use the metric system, so you're just gonna have to Google that. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, um, meters. <laughs> it's, a, it's like it's, it's a lot of meters it's I like guess. 12-ish meters <laughs> probably okay so anyway american ufo studies done by the government project blue book itself was actually the last of three studies uh there were two that preceded it by the government so project blue book itself ended in 1969 or technically 1970 but we'll get to that later so in the 17 years that project blue book was active they collected thousands of reports of ufo sightings from a lot of Air Force, a lot of military personnel, and just, like, regular people in general. Um, the all records have now been declassified, and like I said, they're available to look at at the National Archives. And from what I've, what I've read, like I said, it's a lot of, like, heavy government language, mm -hmm. which is honestly, I think, intentional. Oh, yeah. Because definitely. then it's, like, not fucking exciting and no one feels like reading that. Yeah, like, haha, <laughs> these citizens won't understand this lingo. Literally, like, the classic, like, bury it in bureaucracy so no one cares what it is. Now I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Also, kind of an interesting fact that I learned about Project Blue Book was that it was literally named after those little blue books that you take exams in in college. Really? Yeah, which is, when I first read the name, I was like, oh, like, you take tests in. But that's exactly what it was. I mean, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, so, and the reason that they named it that was because they wanted to treat all the information and their mission as if it were as important as a university final exam, which I think is cute. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking, I mean, some people don't take those things seriously. Um, so, I want to get right into it and tell you about the very first project that preceded Project Blue Book, which was Project Sign. Um, but it's important to note that all of these projects were all obviously focused on studying flying saucers in the name of science and in the protection of national security. Because this was at the mm. point, a lot of times they were seeing things in the sky, they automatically assumed it was like a Soviet missile or something. Yeah. When was the Cold War around that time? Oh my god, are you asking me when the Cold War was? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> was I right? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I thought you were going to be like, you're so fucking stupid. No, I'm like, don't ask me stuff. 
up. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's, so, it's okay. We're not history majors. It's we're fine. not history majors, okay? I did my best. It's fine. Um, so a lot, all of these projects were looking into what they called the extraterrestrial hypothesis, which just stated that the best explanation for UFOs were that they were probes or manned vehicles from other planets and systems, which is a theory favored by some people and completely ridiculed by others, obviously. Mm. Which leads to a lot of issues that we'll talk about later and a lot of controversy, because it seems, as with anybody you know, uh, within the government, people fall on one side or the other, and there's not a lot in the middle. Mm -mm. Which is fair. You either believe in UFOs or you don't. Oh, yeah. Um, so, Project Sign which is the first of the UFO initiatives by the U.S. government, which was originally named Project Saucer. Yeah, that's pretty lame. I like sign better. Sign? Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> um, so it, Project Sign began at the end of 1947 and lasted through most of 1948, um, which when I was doing the research for this, I was, like, writing it in my notebook, and I went to write at the end of 1947, but I accidentally wrote at the end of Roswell. Because as soon as it said the, the end of 1947, I was like, oh, like, directly after the Roswell crash. Yeah. Are you... Are you, I mean, you are you familiar? You might want to explain it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't want to go too much into it because this is an entire really yeah. deep rabbit hole that oh, I'm yeah. going to go on another day. But basically, Roswell was one of the most famous UFO crashes in history. And they actually, like, recovered, like, the craft that mm -hmm. crashed. And there's, like, a, a whole bunch that goes into it, but basically it was one of the biggest UFO sightings and crashes yeah. of all time. Yeah. So it happened in Roswell, New Mexico, and then right after that crash is when sign was established. All my fucking alien simping homies know this, Emily. <laughs> I'm just making sure. <laughs> all my alien simping homies know. This was like a month after the Roswell crash, because there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, so the project was officially requested by Nathan Twinning, who was the chief of the Air Force Material Command at the time, and it was created to collect and analyze information on UFOs in the name of national security, like I said. And it was originally thought that the aircrafts were the secret Soviet technology, mm -hmm. but most cases were explained away as either natural phenomenon or even real aircraft, but they couldn't determine what they were or where they were coming from, but they could say that that was a craft of some kind. Okay. Um, and a lot throughout Sign, Grudge, and Blue Book, which we'll get to, a lot of the explanations that they had for some of these aircraft, they couldn't say because they were actually just American aircraft that at the time were secret. Oh, So there was okay. one, it was, uh, I forget the name of it, like the M12 maybe? Mm -hmm. And, like, that were just, they were American aircrafts that were being tested, mm -hmm. but they couldn't say that. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. Um, until later. Like, we, we know now, but at the time they were secretive, so they couldn't talk about it. Mm -hmm. Anyone who lives near an Air Force base knows there's always fucked up shit going on. And, like, every time, this is just common knowledge that every time somebody says they see a UFO, everybody else says, do you live near an Air Force base? Like when there was a UFO spotted in New Jersey, but it turned out to be a blimp. <laughs> that blimp! A Goodyear blimp. <laughs> Anyway, that was a few weeks ago, wasn't it? That was yeah, it wasn't that long ago. It was like it was a month so, or two ago. That was really you. I remember. Okay, so Emily started freaking out and showing me yeah. this video of a UFO, and she showed it to me, and it really did look like it could have been an alien spaceship in like size and shape, and it was like this video of all these people pulled over on the yeah. highway taking videos. In New Jersey. Yeah, in New Jersey, just a few weeks ago, and then somebody came out and was like, "You idiots! That was just a blip." It's a fucking Goodyear <laughs> blip, my guy. Those things fly around New Jersey all the time. Do they really? No. <laughs> My question is, who decided a blimp was like a good way to get around? <laughs> what is 
Goodyear's for tires, right? Why? Yeah, what? Advertising? I don't fucking know. I don't know. Any, okay, anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Project Sign was created, and it found its home at the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio, near Dayton, which is where all these projects took place. They were all at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, which I thought was kind of weird because name one ufo ever seen in ohio i know i didn't think they would you'd think this would be either in dc because government or in like the southwest like fucking new mexico and shit where there's always weird stuff going on but whatever i'm not in the government so i don't make these choices i should though uh from project sign we got a document called the estimate of the situation which is kind of a controversial document there are a lot of people that claim that it doesn't even exist Mm -hmm. but it's basically states that the saucers that were seen were in fact real craft were likely extraterrestrial in origin because they weren't from the u.s or from the soviet union so they had genuinely no explanation for these crafts and said it's possible it was an alien Mm. and that was completely rejected by the pentagon and they said it was due to lack of proof and then project sign was immediately shut down oh wow yeah so once they Mm. said hey guys it could possibly be aliens if we don't come up with another thing it could be. And the government said, I don't fucking think so, and shut that down. <laughs> yeah. Quick. Oh, nah. But this theory was really pushed by Air Force Captain Edward J. Ruppelt, who is about to be our fucking UFO simping homie. We love him. More on that bad bitch later. Okay, so <laughs> after less than a year, Project Sign was shut down. And then a, a few months after that, they picked up right where they left off in a new project called Project Grudge. So Project Grudge was terrible. You can even tell by the name that they had no intention of actually researching UFOs. You might even say they had a grudge. They had a grudge because Project Sign was, like, officially inconclusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't, they were only operating for, you know, less than a year. And at the time, they didn't have a lot of information to work with. And so they were, you know inconclusive Mm -hmm. and the government was fucking pissed about it because that sparked a lot of interest in ufos by the american public so project grudge was almost immediately created also at wright patterson air force base and is considered by everyone in the ufo community and even a lot of people just in the air force in general um it's considered to be the dark ages of ufo research Mm. um it was widely criticized as having a debunking mandate which basically meant that their only job was to explain away all the ufos and undo any damage done by project sign um and they said basically all ufos were either regular regular military or commercial aircraft or some kind of misinterpretations of natural things that happen in the sky like (laughs) like what weather and stars and stuff (laughs) it was just a cloud my guy like a lot of a lot of stuff gets blamed on venus Hmm. like because they're like no venus is a really bright spot in the sky and it if you stare at it long enough, it kind of seems like it could be moving. Okay, so... And a lot of things are seen by people in moving cars, and when things are in moving cars, they, you know, like, the moon seems to follow you. Like, little kids think the moon is following them. So, like, they tried to explain it away with stuff that just didn't make any sense. Yeah, a lot like, of times down the shore when it's really clear out and when Jupiter and... When Jupiter's really close, mm-hmm. you can see it, and it does look like it's blinking. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean, yeah, I guess... Like, my dad, um, just as, like, a a small side quest, sorry. My dad has a hot tub out in his patio, and he likes to go out and sit in the hot tub and just, like, you know, chill and look at the sky. Because we live, or my dad lives, in the absolute middle of nowhere, and the sky is beautiful Mm. out there. Which, when I moved to Rochester, that's one thing I really miss. Because, like, the light pollution, you can't really see the skies. But out where my dad lives, you can. So he would go out into 
the hot tub at night and just watch the sky. And he's so good at finding um, shooting stars. Like, we used to go out all the time and find shooting stars, and it was super fun. But he has started seeing this blinking light. Or, no. There was one blinking light, but then there was another one that it just moves across the sky all night long. Really? Yeah. And he, he says it's out there about the same time every night, and yada, yada, yada. And it just moves across the sky on its own. It's not blinking. It's not a airplane like it just looks like one one of the stars very small is moving across the sky and i said dad you're looking at a fucking satellite (laughs) (laughs) dad it's very very easily googled it's a satellite okay but your dad's in his 70s we'll just we'll let it slide yeah and which actually it's another i'm gonna tell you guys a thousand stories about my dad over the years okay i'm sorry about it actually no i'm not so i don't know like a year or two ago I was just, like, you know, looking at spooky shit on the internet, as I do, and I was, like, looking over the Roswell crash, and it crashed a year to the day before he was born. So I immediately texted him, and I was like, hmm, you want to explain this shit, Jim? Because he always talks about, like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not from here, I'm from somewhere else, I must be an alien, that kind of thing, like, as a joke. So I texted him that, and he was like, I will do anything to keep this information secret, Marissa. It's like, shut up, Jim. <laughs> Damn it, Jim. Anyway, that's my dad who thinks he's an alien. Moving on, sis. Um, so, back to Project Grudge. They claimed that they were looking at the data scientifically and without, like, a biased lens, mm-hmm. though it was obvious to everyone that they did not fucking do that. So, a lot of people who worked on Project Sign were also working on Project Grudge, and they were fucking jazzed to be working on Sign and then quit Grudge. Mm. They claimed that believers were mocked, and it was, like, super obvious that the Pentagon was not behind them, and a lot of people were really ridiculed for believing even a little bit, which they thought was pointless because was that was the reason they were there. Yeah. And they were, like, ridiculed for doing their job and doing the research they were supposed to. So, a quote from our man's Edward J. Ruppelt, who worked on both projects. He said, everything was being evaluated on the premise that UFOs couldn't exist. No matter what you see or hear, don't believe it. Yeah, that's fucked up. That's not a way to think. Right, so you can't even claim you're doing UFO research if literally all you're doing is finding mundane explanations for stuff that people see just so you can, like, quiet the public. Yeah, no. Mm -hmm. So upper-level officials officials were ordered multiple times to be more, quote, respectfully skeptical about the information, uh, both to the other people working on the project and to the observers who were reporting their cases. Because there were a lot of people who would try to report something to this project that was made for that purpose, and then they were made to feel stupid. Wow. So, like, literally, what's the point? Um, So the people on the project said that very little research was actually done, and a lot of the explanations were relatively implausible, and they were just making up things that didn't even make sense. They Mm -hmm. knew it didn't make sense, but they said deal with it. Uh, The Grudge Report, which was kind of the culmination of all the information that they collected, was 600 pages long, with the conclusions being, quote, There is no evidence that objects reported upon are the result of an advanced scientific foreign development, and therefore they constitute no direct threat to the national security. In view of this, it is recommended that the investigation and study of reports of unidentified flying objects be reduced in scope. Headquarters AMC Air Material Command will continue to investigate reports in which realistic technical applications are clearly indicated. Okay, so just because these unknown objects don't seem to be a threat, we shouldn't study them yep. further? All right, that yep. makes sense. They're not curious. They're just defensive. I don't know. Jesus. Uh, so that was A. 
And B, all evidence and analysis indicate that reports of unidentified flying objects are the result of, one, misinterpretation of various conventional objects, two, a mild form of mass hysteria and war nerves, Oh wow. Okay. three, individuals who fabricate such reports to per- perpetuate a hoax or to seek publicity, or four, psychopathological persons. I mean, two kind of makes sense, because like I said, I'm pretty sure that was during the Cold War, so there was mm-hmm. always this sort of anxiety about, you know, what the Russians were doing. That's fair. But, you know, still... Like, these have been, this has been happening for years, and if not centuries. Wait, the Cold War lasted until 1991? This was a 50-year almost war? Shut I, the fuck I up. I fucking guess. I don't know. 1947. Yeah, exa- Technically, it's exactly in, in Cold War times. Yeah, because uh, Project Sign began in the end of 1947, and Cold War also began 1947. So we were exactly correct. I don't know why I didn't think about that earlier. Turns out, I'm an idiot. Moving on. <laughs> Um, so that is Project Sun and Project Grudge. Neither of them really did much in the way of UFO analysis, but it did create a lot of interest in UFOs, um, both from people in the government and especially in the Air Force and just from, like, the general public because the world is boring. Let's make it more interesting oh, with yeah. aliens. All right, so now I want to tell you about my man's Edward J. Ruppelt. So Who is this man? He is... Just the fucking god of UFOs, okay? <laughs> um, so he was an Air Force captain, highly decorated, as they say. He served in World War II and Korea, so this man has seen some shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was one of the members on Project Grudge, a.k.a. the Dark Ages, and he's one of the biggest critics of Project Grudge, um, though he did defend the work done by Sign originally, saying that they didn't have much to work with at the time, and he called the efforts organized confusion. So even though they didn't really know what they were dealing with, they were fucking trying. Um, so he was assigned as director when Grudge shifted into Project Blue Book into 1952, and he had a reputation as being very organized, and that was likely one of the reasons that Blue Book was, like, so much better than the other two attempts at UFO mm-hmm. research, and he was dedicated to following scientific procedure and treating UFO reports as regular knowledge, not the romanticized and fantasized ideas of aliens. Because go. he genuinely, like, from what I read, it seemed like he genuinely believed, like, this was just a scientific topic to be researched, not... Yeah not the polarizing thing people think it is. Because what was clear from both Project Sign and especially Project Grudge was that the Pentagon was like, aliens aren't fucking real, tell us us if it's the Soviets or not. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of people who were like, it could be the Soviets, it could be something completely different. Like, if we're here to research that, why aren't you letting us research that? Yeah. So he was really focused on making it just, like, general public knowledge and taking away some of the, like, hysteria surrounding it. It's going to make it a lot easier. Uh, he also, interestingly, I thought this was cool, he actually coined the term UFO, which they pronounced UFO. <laughs> UFO. <laughs> which, if anything, I think it says UFO. Yeah, <laughs> But they said really. UFO for quite a while. English, um, man. Right? So he said that the term flying saucer or flying disc didn't actually apply to most yeah. things that people saw because they saw all kinds of shapes or they just saw lights. So they thought that if it was a flying saucer or a flying disc, they would think, well, that's not what I saw, so I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. Um, and actually, this was unrelated, but when I was doing all this research, I found out that flying saucer was, like, the first time that that term was used. What the man saw wasn't even round. The reason he used the term saucer was because what he saw was boomerang-shaped. Mm-hmm. And the way he said it, it like, 
the way it moved across the sky looked like a saucer skipping on water. Okay. So that's, it has nothing to do with it being round. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's where flying saucer came from. Ruppelt felt that that was not applicable to most things that people saw, so he changed it to unidentified flying object just to be kind of more conclu- more inclusive mm-hmm. so people would be more willing to, like, report things and so that they would be studying, like, a wider range of things instead of just yeah. circles. Yeah, like, oh, there's a fucking triangle-shaped light in the sky, but it can't be a UFO because it's not circular. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So he also wrote and published a book in 1956 called The Report on Unidentified Flying Objects, which has been widely cited in UFO research. Mm -hmm. Um, He died of a heart attack in 1960. God rest his soul. He was in his mid-30s. No way. Yeah, and he died of a heart attack. So, you know what? That um, sounds what kind of sus. That sounds very sus, Emily. I'm sussed out. The U.S. government's the imposter. Oh! Let him out! <laughs> Anyways, R.I.P., my if, man. If the U.S. government was an imposter, or a, a Among Us character, what color do you think they'd be and what do you think they'd wear? Okay, so I think if they were to be an imposter, they'd probably be fucking, like, red. Like the I think devil red, or something. I think with the bandana. America! America! (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) So yeah, he died in his mid-30s of a heart attack, which either extraterrestrial said, hey, Mr. Guy's heart, stop. Or the the government said, hey, buddy, you're getting too close to stuff, die. Yes, oh, Or, um, his life was really fucking stressful, (laughs) so he had a heart attack, which I think is also very plausible. Yeah. Um... So Project Blue Book itself, like I said, it was very different than the other two projects, and I want to talk about why and how. So overall, it was just a lot more professional and statistic-based instead of what it was before, where they were just kind of trying to explain things away. Yeah. Um, Project Blue Book, like the others, had two main goals, to determine if the UFOs were a threat to national security and to analyze UFO data in a scientific manner. One very notable thing that they did differently was that they shared all the data they collected very freely and didn't keep things hush-hush, which he was trying to get rid of some of the stigma and conspiracy theory type feelings about UFOs that kept people from talking about their experiences mm-hmm. because they were afraid of being ridiculed. Yeah. And like I said before, he was looking at it in a scientific way, so he was like, I want your data, it's not fucking weird. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like normalizing it, I guess, is a good way to say it. But since the information was less secretive, you had less people prying and, like, trying to find out more since it was, like, all out in the open. Uh, So he also made reporting UFO data a lot more streamlined and efficient, and they actually got help from the Battelle Memorial Institute and created a questionnaire for UFO reporters for people to fill out. Um, And that was partly so they could sift through what things were worth researching and what things were kind of crazy people because he was also very aware that some people are crazy and some of these stories are absurd. Oh yeah, definitely. And he made it a point to have people working on Blue Book be professional and impartial. And if they were uh, too far on either end of the spectrum, so if they were too skeptical or if they were too excited about aliens, they were taken off the project entirely. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, but wouldn't it fucking suck to be one of us who, like, loves UFOs, that. and you're like, yes, I got on this UFO project, and they're like, oh, you love UFOs? Get the fuck out. I was out. just thinking, I was like, what if we, like, had applied for that? Like, would right. we get in? No. Well, no, we wouldn't because we're not high-level Air Force officials. Oh, that too. We're not smart <laughs> enough? Um. 
Why do you think you have to be smart to be in the Air Force? I know like six people in the Air Force and they're all stupid. <laughs> like, I'm sure there are very smart people in the Air Force, just the ones I know are not. <laughs> Call out post, you know who you are. I digress. I digress. Do you want to hear a story? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I have two friends. Uh, one is in the Marines, one is in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. And they were both uh, back in our hometown at the same time, so we all went out, like, bowling, and the guy who's in the Marines went to get a drink, and he pulled out his military ID, and they were like, oh, you're a Marine? Oh, man, drinks on the house, bro, and we're, like, giving yeah. him drinks. We went to another bar later, and people bought him a drink, because yeah. he said he was a Marine, and people were like, fuck yeah. And yeah. then the other guy was in the Air Force, and they are like, yeah, that'll be seven fifty. <laughs> Wait. Yes. So, yeah, they were taken off the project if they were too far one way or the other. Kind of like, um, like, when they do jury duty. Yeah, like if, if you're too invested in it, you can't do it. You have to be impartial. So I guess it makes sense, but it's still sad. They also consulted scientists and experts in aviation and foreign intelligence and stuff like that um, on like all of the cases because they said if anyone can explain this shit, it's these guys. And if they can't, then who knows what it is. Yeah. Um, Blue Book was given very high precedence within the Air Force and military members who had any, like, UFO-type experiences were actually told to skip the chain of command and report what they witnessed directly to Project Blue Book, which I can't imagine that happens very often. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking, just assumption, it's probably in order to, like, avoid reports being thrown out by, like, higher-ranking officials who, like, don't believe in that kind of thing. Because, yeah. like I said, it was super polarizing. People either really did or really did not believe in yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like it was to avoid them being thrown out and then, mm-hmm. you know, get it straight from the witness themselves. You get, like, a better version of the story. Uh, in fifth grade history class, you call that a primary source. Uh, <laughs> We're not going to play no telephone games. No, bitch. Yeah, we've all played telephone. We know how it ends. <laughs> not the same as it started. No. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, and all, all Air Force bases were required to submit any UFO-ish data to Ruppelt. Um, he also started the trend of not putting too much stock into reports of people being, like, abducted by aliens or meeting aliens, because as far as he was concerned, that was a bit far-fetched and, uh, not in the fucking job description and really not their fucking problem to deal with. (laughs) Because these were Air Force guys, if there was something in the sky that was fucked up, they were gonna look into it, but if an alien is sneaking in and probing somebody's butt in their seat, (laughs) that was, that was all on somebody else's plate. Um, so, I really struggled with how to direct this little presentation, I guess, this story, because like I said, there was so much information and there were a million different directions I could take, and I didn't want to sit here and like list all of the cases or go into too much detail, because like I said, I want to have multiple mm-hmm. alien episodes, and I want them to all really have time to go into and do the stories justice, but there is one that I want to talk about really quickly because I think it really encompasses kind of the issues that people had with Project Blue Book, and that is the case of the Lubbock Lights. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of it. It sounds familiar. Okay. Um, so in August and September of 1951 in Lubbock, Texas, there were a group of professors from Texas Texas Technological College who witnessed a series of small bluish lights fly over like they were hanging out in one of their backyards and they saw these lights fly over. So the first thing to note is that these guys were like a technology college professors. Yes. So they weren't just some hillbillies who saw something they couldn't see. And so this this group of bluish lights flew over them and 
at first they were all like, oh, what was that? And they sat there talking about it and thought, oh, it's probably like meteors or something. That's weird. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. And then they flew over again. And they were like, okay, that was not what we thought it was. <laughs> not a meteor. No, not at all. So they, I think they reported it to their newspaper and it was posted. And then they decided they wanted to see it again. So they decided to stay out in a yard again and see if they could see it. And they sat in this guy's front yard. They brought two other professors from the college who weren't there the first time. Mm -hmm. And they sat out there and they saw them again. Um, So based on these reports and reports from some other people in the area who had seen similar things, uh, Ruppelt went down to investigate this UFO sighting and he interviewed all of them. The official conclusion was drawn at first that what they had seen was actually a species of bird called a plover. Plover? Pea lover? You could see them at night. Yeah, it was, so their explanation was that the city had just put in new streetlights and that these birds were on their migration route and the way the lights refracted off of their feathers made it look like they were glowing because they had like an example of somebody who reported some, like a very similar thing. They were at a drive-in movie theater Mm -hmm. and a group of these birds flew over and the way that the lights from the movies like reflected off of them, they looked like they were glowing. Yeah. So what they, what the, these professors saw, said that they saw was these circular bluish lights. So they said there's no way they were birds. They said they were about the size of a dinner plate and they were smaller than the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, but they couldn't tell how far up they were. But in comparison to where they were, they were smaller than the moon. So this conclusion was like widely criticized and no one believes that they were birds. No, Everyone was like, no. there's not a, there's not a chance. So they did more research and decided that it, they gave a super vague explanation and said it was a very common natural light phenomenon, but they wouldn't say what it was. And the reason that they had for not saying more specifically what it was, they were trying to protect the identity of the scientist who drew that conclusion. Oh, yeah. But that doesn't fucking make any sense because why would you saying what it is determine who made the conclusion? Like, any, like, I feel like any scientist who's, like, a specialist in that area could have come up with a similar conclusion or a similar reason for what they were seeing. Why, why would, it, like, if it was, I don't know, a shooting star, if they were like, oh, it was a shooting star, no one's gonna say, oh, that was clearly Dr. Robertson. Like, <laughs> you know? I know, but I think if they did come out with his name, like, they were afraid that they were gonna be ridiculed. No, but, like, they could have said what it was without saying his name. Yeah. But they didn't. Because yeah, they thought sense. that if they said what it was, people would know who said it, but that's just stupid. <laughs> that's that fucking crackhead sign is down the block. And let me tell you, as someone who works with small children, that is how small children get out of stuff. They say they don't want to tell you because then it's going to lead to something else, but that's yeah. never the case. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, fake as fuck. So the Lubbock Lights was one of the reasons, one of the cases that started having, or started creating some criticism for Project Blue Book. So now we move into the end. Uh, So, Project Blue Book, they conducted their UFO research from 1953 to 1969, uh, and obviously had to come to an end. So, in the 60s, NICAP, which is National Investigation Committee on Aerial Phenomenon, started claiming that the U.S. government was covering up UFO evidence. The Lubbock Lights is one of the cases that people point to, and that's just, like, normal people. That's Mm -hmm. not even, like, the Air Force saying that that's bullshit. That's everyone saying that's bullshit. Mm -hmm. And apparently there were some other cases as well that people thought was weird. But that was, like, the biggest one. 
So this led to growing amounts of criticism for Project Blue Book by government officials, newspapers, and just, like, people in general started criticizing the project overall. This was also after Ruppelt died. Yeah, that's okay. That's important So I'm to sure know. it started to sort of lose its organized... Yes, and a lot of people point to that as well, as once he was gone, it really went downhill. Oh, yeah. I believe it. Um, so they had some hearings with Congress, and the Condon Committee which was led by Edward Condon at the University of Colorado, was created to be an unbiased entity in the midst of this controversy to investigate the validity of the UFO research that they were doing at Blue Book. So, some of the researchers, a lot of the researchers, Mm -hmm. most of the researchers (laughs) uh, claimed that even Condon himself was very biased because, like I said earlier, like, most people are not middle of the road. Yeah, it's hard not to be It's very hard to find like someone who's middle of the road and not yeah. either for or against the existence of aliens. Yeah. Uh, so the whole scientific study aspect of it was questioned at the time, and it's still questioned now. Uh, like, Condon himself literally said that UFO ideas were nonsense. And he, quote, wasn't supposed to reach that conclusion for another year. So, obviously, he went in thinking it was dumb, and he was going to prove it. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are, like, quotes taken directly from him. So, basically, the Condon Report took over a 1,000 pages just to say that in the 21 years of UFO research, nothing notable was discovered, and there was nothing notable about UFOs in general. They decided it was a waste of time and money and just not really worth looking into it any further. So, the Secretary of the Air Force, Robert C. Siemens, Jr., <laughs> Announced that Blue Book would be ending because funding could, quote, not be justified either on the grounds of national security or in the investigation of science. So the last public day of Project Blue Book was December 17th, 1969, though they actually continued into January of 1970, but they claimed to end it early just because they didn't want the UFO research to roll over into another decade. Hmm. They were like, it's been three decades, you know, of this. We're not putting it into the 70s. Just be fucking done with it. They wanted to end that shit. So, in the end, the U.S. government, from Project Sign through Grudge to Blue Book, from 1948 to 1969, nice, studied 12,618 reports of UFOs, with 701 of them remaining unidentifiable. That's a substantial amount. Yeah, which actually, I want to post a screenshot of our Instagram of a really cool document I found that's like the yearly breakdown in numbers yeah. of from from each year how many reports they studied and how many remained unidentifiable um just a few of the examples the first year that project sign the first full year that project sign was in the works they studied 156 sightings and 7 of them were unidentified in let's see Ooh, 1952, they studied 1,501 UFO sightings. 303 of them remain unidentified. And in the last year, 1969, there were 146 UFO sightings. Only one remained unidentified. It would be cool to see, like, a, a map, like a map of America and, like, pointed out, like, where these clusters were yeah. and, like, which I'm ones sure it were exists out there. unclassified or... Uh, like, they didn't know what it was. Um, but, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So, I want to post that on our Instagram because I think it's kind of interesting. Okay. So, some of the explanations that they had for 
the sightings that were not unidentified included things like balloons, satellites, aircraft, lightning, reflections, stars, planets, sun, moon, which I don't know anyone who's looking at the moon and going, oh my god, it's a UFO. (laughs) I'm just gonna say. It's a cratery UFO. It's a cratery UFO. So that's basically the breakdown. Um, The sightings were said to fall in the same four categories as the ones I listed earlier, either mass hysteria, especially later as the UFO ideas kind of gained more traction and people were like, ah, there are aliens, what was that light? Um, hoax or publicity stunt, crazy people imagining or misinterpreting things, and just misidentifying something normal. Which my mom and I thought we saw a UFO once. It was definitely just, like, a super fucking crazy shooting star or meteor of some kind, but it literally went across the entire sky directly over us in less than a second, and it was huge, bright white, like this bright bluish white it was, like, bigger than the moon. It could have been, like, a comet or something. Yeah. And it was bigger than the moon, and it went across the sky. We both saw it. My mom pulled over, and we started screaming. <laughs> um, and we are like, it's a UFO, it's a UFO. The but, aliens are uh, coming. Right. They came to take Dad away. They t- take Dad back home. They're home. <laughs> Jam's an alien. Anyway, so the investigation summary of Blue Book, so this is, like, their official ending summary that they issued to the public, mm-hmm. was that... Three points. One, no UFO reported, investigated, or evaluated by the Air Force was ever an indication of threat to our national security. Two, there was no evidence submitted to or discovered by the Air Force that sightings categorized as unidentified represented technological developments or principles beyond the range of modern scientific knowledge. And three, there was no evidence indicating sightings categorized as unidentified were, in fact, extraterrestrial vehicles. So, in the end, they were kind of the same as sign where it was inconclusive, Mm -hmm. but they just determined that in the 21 years of working on UFOs, they didn't really get anything useful, no super useful information, so that there was no point in investigating anymore. But that turned out to be a fucking lie, because, as a lot of people probably know because it's very recent, in December of 2017, it was announced that ATIP, the Advanced Aviation Identification Program, had been studying UFOs with a budget of $20 million from 2007 to 2012. But that's another story. Not going to get into that because there's a lot more to unpack there um, because a lot of the information that they had were videos. Oh, wow. And the videos are all over the internet. Mm -hmm. Which, actually, maybe we could post some on our Instagram. Oh, definitely. Because there are a lot of really cool ones that, like, you, you can see the video and hear the audio of these Air Force personnel mm-hmm. encountering it and like yelling at each exactly other like which videos you're talking the, the one about, that looks though. like a tic-tac yeah yes okay like what the fuck is that yeah so like there was one that looked like a tic-tac they were flying above it and it like mm-hmm. hovered over the water and then flew away and as it was hovering over the vo- the water it started to like bubble underneath it and it like made the water boil around it yeah. and then it took off and it was going faster than the plane that they were in it literally looked like a tic tac the dudes were like screaming they're like you see that right you see that right dude no one's going to believe this yeah that's like how it's you know crazy. it's legit you know yeah that they were just, just like blown yeah. away so that one's super interesting i think we should post a lot of that on the instagram oh, yeah, cuz it's a good idea. super interesting to look at but again, it was kind of like when they put it in the archives that they were like, here's all this information, don't look any closer. 
you know. That's Like, lovely. if there's anything at Area 51, no the fuck there's not. Because everyone knows about Area 51. If anything, they probably have some dumb shit there just in case people break in. And be like, look, you found it. Congratulations. A video of a Tic Tac. And then they don't look any farther. Because they're like, oh, we found it. That's it. But then there's, like, deeper shit underneath. Well, there's two main guys that I want to talk about eventually. I, got, uh, I do not remember their names. But one was in... Um, it happened last year, like, in December or so. He came out. He's He was a scientist in, Isra- in is- Israel. And he... <laughs> so he doesn't speak English, so it was hard for, like, um, news reporters here to, like, sort of get the information that he was putting out there. Mm-hmm. But um, he talks about how aliens are real, in fact, and the governments, especially the American government, is working with aliens. Trump yeah. knows about aliens. But that's a whole other, like, video... Actually, yes, I have heard that as well. Okay, sorry, hold Yeah, because that came out, like, not I'm even checking. a month ago. Yeah, okay, so I just wanted to look back through my scribbly notes to look for this guy's name. Dr. J. Allen Hynek uh, was an astronomer and a scientific consultant for all three projects, and he created a category for close encounters. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's kind of the one who coined the term close encounters. Mm-hmm. So, he he was one of the people who worked on all three projects, like I said, and at the beginning he was very skeptical, and he just was straight up like, yeah, no, it's not aliens, let me help you figure out what it really is, because he thought that was so absurd, and this was like, he's, you know, an astronomer, it's what he does. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, no, like, let me step in and help you guys and figure out what it really is. But by the end, he admitted that a handful of the cases reviewed were completely unexplainable, he has no idea how to explain them. He doesn't know anybody who could explain them. That says a lot, because he's an astronomer. Yeah. And he's been working in this community for forever, and it's such a thing with scientists that it's like, yeah, I'm not an expert on that. Let me call my friend who is. Mm -hmm. And he had no idea how to explain a lot of these and didn't know anyone who could. And by the end of Project Blue Book, he was like, there's a lot of shit out there that we don't understand, and we won't understand for years and years and years it's not work, worth looking into right now because we just don't have the technology yeah makes sense so like this is a guy who's an astronomer and he was literally stepped in to help them refute aliens mm-hmm. and it did not work out that way yeah that's crazy and the aliens refuted him <laughs> so there we'd love to see it we've all seen paul we know what's going on at <laughs> at Area 51, he's just sitting there smoking a joint and calling Steven Spielberg on the phone. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's Project Blue Book. I know it's not the super interesting conspiracy alien things you were interested in, but I think it's going to set the stage for yeah. some fucking interesting alien content Definitely. down the line. I think you need to have some information on the projects before you really get into, like... Because we're going to be mentioning the projects in future videos, you know? This is chapter one. Chapter one's never super interesting. Sorry I'm so boring, guys. God, I did my best. Don't yell at me. Boom, bitch. Emily's turn. Okay. (laughs) All right, so we're going to stray away from aliens, but we're sticking with the conspiracies. So we're going to be talking about the Denver International Airport. Yes. And the sort of theories and conspiracies that surround this weird-ass airport. Everything, everything comes back to the Denver airport. (laughs) It's fucked up. It, like, conspiracy theory world, everything comes back to the Denver airport. Because there's so many different, like, conspiracies tied into the airport, and there's so much evidence that's like, oh, that makes sense. Like, I'd be thinking I'm looking up one 
conspiracy theory, and then it ends up coming back to the Denver airport almost every time. Yeah, right. exactly. It's weird. I am so fucking ready. <laughs> this is gonna be a ride. Buckle your seatbelts. Click, click. I'm buckled up for safety. Grab your drinkies. Okay. <laughs> Wait, let me take a chug. Don't drink and drive, folks. Yeah. You can do them separately, but not together. This is a metaphorical seatbelt. <laughs> Clutchick? Okay. Um, so, like, to start, I'm just going to give a little bit of a background of the airport. And, like, surprisingly, I've never been there. I've been to Colorado a bunch of times to see my grandparents, but I think we always flew into Colorado, Spring, Colorado Springs, Pueblo, like that area. Anyway, so the airport was built in 1995 in Denver, Colorado, Same. and it was built to replace an airport there called the Stapleton Airport. Um, and there are tons of theories regarding, like, what was going on underground there and why the airport was actually built. And we'll see the reasons why people are, like, why later on. Um, but, the, like, the main reason behind the conspiracies is the fact that the airport cost $2 million more than it was originally estimated. Oh, and the construction took a lot longer than they had expected. But, you know, again, there's always reasons, like, behind those things. Like, I don't know, people get so fucking lazy when they're building stuff. And sometimes, like, they just have to stop construction for a little bit. There's always something unexpected that happens. Yeah. Like, it's just a th- every construction project especially government ones, yeah. take longer than expected and over budget. It's yeah. just, like, the thing. Yeah. So that's, like, the other side of it. But we're going to talk about five main conspiracies that surround this airport. Fuck yeah. And the one I'm going to start with is probably the most known one since, like, the statue is literally outside the airport. It's Lucifer. Yes. Lucifer! It do be Lucifer. Um, and for all of you who, I don't know, just don't know... What Lucifer is, he is a 32-foot-tall fiberglass sculpture. He is a horse, and he was built by the artist Louis Jimenez, I think. Um, and it stands outside the airport. And it's blue. Yeah. They call it, it's like also known as Blue Mustang, but, you know, people call it Lucifer because it looks fucking evil. Can I make an interjection here? hmm Okay. So, in case y'all didn't know, I teach kindergarten. <laughs> In case y'all didn't know, there's a book called Brown Bear, Brown Bear, What Do You See? Oh, yes. I love that book. And he, yeah, everybody knows this I book. I read okay? it all the time, too. Um, so we did that last week. We read that book, and um, there's all the different colored animals, and one of them is a blue horse. And I was like, I can't believe Eric Carle is in the Illuminati. Oh, my God. They're indoctrinating our children early with their blue horse. Like, my co-teacher was reading the book, and I was just sitting at my desk just shaking my head like, oh, God. When I was a kid, the blue horse was always my favorite because I loved the color blue, and I just thought it looked really cool. Fair enough. I just thought it was really funny, and then when you told me this is what the topic you were doing, I was like, man, that's fucked up. I'm no mathematician, but this shit does add up. Yeah, I mean, the blue horse in Brown Bear, Brown Bear looks nice. Um, Blucifer does not look too nice, and that's mostly (laughs) because he's so big, and he has, like, glowing red eyes. Like, they actually light up. Um... And so, a lot of people are relating the red glowing eyes to the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh, But Jimenez, who was the artist, he stated that the red color was to honor the wild spirit of the American West. 
All right. So a lot of, like, the things within the airport, the era, the artwork, the weird symbols and stuff, people are like, oh, that's fucking Illuminati shit. But a lot of it has turned out to be, like, Native American culture okay. stuff. That makes um, sense. Yeah, so, you know, of course, the average white person is just going to be like, oh, I don't understand it, so it's evil. devil shit. Yeah. <laughs> if it's something you haven't seen before, yeah. it's evil. That is white people for UTM. Um, Sounds so, about white. Yeah. <laughs> We're both white, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we're shitting on white people as white people, so, like, it's, it's fine. So, a lot of people were like, oh, those red glowing eyes are, like, kind of like the four horsemen. And the four horsemen are, like, biblical figures that appear in the book of Revelation. Um, and each one represents a different facet of the apocalypse. So, there's conquest, war, famine, and death. And another eerie factor is the fact that Eumenes died two years before the sculpture was finished. Ooh. Um, a piece of the sculpture actually fell on him and severed an artery in his <gasps> leg. Oh my god! Yes, so that's why people are like, what? you know what, um, this is kind of crazy. Oh my god, I never knew that, that's crazy. Yeah, his own art literally killed him. I'm an artist, y'all, so like, Dude, imagine... you better watch out. Didn't you yeah. just paint a picture of Harry Styles? It's not done yet, but He's yeah. gonna come get me. <laughs> Good! Uh, I would love that! <laughs> you, there's nothing you would want more than Harry Styles to just absolutely murder you. Oh, God. Just to be in his presence would be an honor. That's how, like, I'm gonna tell you right now, if Niall Horan said that he needed to kill me for whatever reason, I'd be like, all right. Take me, baby. Take me now, man. First of all, I have nothing to live for, and second of all, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. I live for this podcast. Please listen to it or I will die. The end. (laughs) All right, so that's, like, the information on Blucifer. Basically, it's just this huge-ass horse that actually killed his maker, um, and people are just kind of thinking about... It's very Frankenstein of him. Yeah, honestly, it's pretty, it's fucked up. Um, and, you know, they're relating it to the Four Horsemen, I guess because it's a horse. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that that has some part in it. <laughs> but let me tell you that there's a steakhouse in my hometown that has a giant cow on the sign that also has glowing eyes. So it's possible that the owners of Fred's Inn are also connected to this. Yeah, that's the Lucifer's buddy. Oh, man. Lucifer. Lucifer! <laughs> I'm so glad we thought that at the same time. <laughs> Why are we the same person? It's obs- Well, next week we're going to find out. Yeah. I Yeah. Okay. I digress. That's a story Us? for another time. digress? No. <laughs> so, Conspiracy 2, we're going to get into uh, something called the New World Order. Yeah. And that is, like, a, another big part of, like, why they believe this airport was built. So many theorists believe the airport was built by the New World Order with ties to Nazism. And there was, like, this whole theory out there that, like, the runways at the Denver airport look like Nazi symbols. But if you think about it, it's like, first of all, to me, I don't see it. Um, Maybe I'm just blind. I don't know. Um, But they have to make the runways go certain ways. Like, it's, it's like a whole math thing. So, I don't know. We don't know math. I think people are just picking... Shit but also, it, and this is something we've especially seen recently with the storming of the U.S. Capitol and stuff like that, like, with a lot of the, let's call them what they are, with the white domestic terrorists mm-hmm. and a lot of white power movements, is that they will appropriate, like, anything. Like, there are so many things that don't mean what they used to mean because racists and Nazis appropriated them. So at this point... Yeah, like it's, the swastika. Yes. The, the swastika was not always for fucking... Nazis. No. And, like, a lot of, like, Norse symbols and even memes. Like, do you remember the Pepe? 
Yeah. Like, now you can't even post memes with Pepe because, like, fucking racists appropriated yeah, it. And there are up. runes from Norse culture that have been appropriated for these racists. And it's like, at this point, you're walking on eggshells to avoid using some kind yeah. of Nazi symbol because yeah. they'll take anything they can from you. Yeah, it's messed up. Yeah, so that can be explained in another way. Yeah. But basically, the New World Order is a conspiracy theory that hypothesizes <laughs> a secret totalitarian totalitarian world government. <coughs> so apparently, Sorry, people believe that this group is conspiring to eventually rule the world in an authoritarian way, and that they'll replace sovereign nation states and use propaganda to convince people that the establishment of the New World Order is the culmination of history's progress. Okay. Yeah, so basically they just believe, like, okay, the New World Order is going to, like, take over the world and it's just going to be one giant-ass government. Weird. Yeah. And... I've, I've heard this theory, obviously. Yeah, I mean, we've, I think we've all, we've heard, all heard about the New World Order at one point or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, it, do, it doesn't help that there's actually a dedication marker for the airport that credits an organization called the New World Airport Commission for building it. Okay. Um, so that doesn't really help Yeah, that doesn't really help their um, case. But according to the airport's website itself, they say that the organization doesn't actually exist. But, I mean, who's gonna... No one's looking at their website to find information. Like, they're booking right. flights. They're not gonna be like, right. oh my god, the, the New World Order, let me get my information from the denverairport.com. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing some research on the Illuminati. Let me just check the Denver airport website really quick, just to make sure I'm on the right track. They got all the facts. So, yeah, they're like, no, 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 that doesn't exist. Um, And like I said before, there are many, like, quote-unquote strange markings on the building. Uh, But a lot of people have actually said, like, those are actually references to the Navajo language Mm -hmm. or the periodic table of elements. So, you know, some people just don't know science either. Some people are just stupid. You know, that could be... Like, the symbol for fucking iron or something. I don't know. I suck at science. <laughs> You're just, like, listing. I'm not good at history. I'm not good at math. I'm not good at science. I did know about the Cold War, though, so that was pretty awesome. I'm pretty proud of myself. And so there are apparently, like, strange markings on the floors, too, of the airport. And people, people get this. People believe that these strange symbols on the floor of the airport symbolize a new strain of hepatitis that could be used in biological warfare. Oh, no. <laughs> Bet they didn't see coronavirus coming. Can you believe that? Like, the this airport holds all these secrets. Like, I'm going to do an episode on coronavirus and how it was predicted by the movie The Crazies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, with, the, with yeah. the virus and making so people true. crazy and the coughing and the, uh, yeah. The All new right. pandemic. So that's Conspiracy 2, talking about the New World Order. And Conspiracy 3 is the belief that the airport actually holds the headquarters to the Illuminati. I love it. So not just is our New World Order folks hiding out there, but we also got our Illuminati bros. Well, a lot of times the Illuminati is credited with yeah. starting the New World Order. Yeah. So that, that's a very logical dot to connect. Yeah. So logical being a, a loose term. <laughs> so there are rumors of many unmarked buildings and underground areas on the airport's property, and that there are claims of a time capsule buried on the property that bears the symbols from the Freemasons, which oh, okay. are 
a group that are linked to the Illuminati. And for anybody that doesn't know, the Freemasons are an international order established for mutual help and fellowship. And, like, they even hold elaborate secret ceremonies. And They're, they're so, not that elaborate. Yeah. I, they, I know somebody in... <laughs> I'm not kidding. You think I'm kidding, but I'm not. (laughs) They're the subject to multiple conspiracies due to their secrecy and rules and, like, you know, like, only men are allowed in it and, like, bullshit like that. But I digress. There is a dedication marker and capstone that has been placed over a time capsule that supposedly supposedly includes a credit card, the Colorado flag, the newspaper from the airport's opening day, etc. So there is a time capsule buried there. But people are like, no, it doesn't include the fucking flag. It's got some Freemason shit in it. So they do believe that the time capsule actually belongs to the Freemasons. Okay, but, like, what are you going to get out of a time capsule? Yeah, so Like, time capsules are, like, a thing you do with, like, your friends in middle school. Oh, my God, it's a vial of hepatitis. Um, (laughs) so the main Hepatitis isn't funny, guys, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's just fucked up that people think that. Uh, the main reason people also believe... This Freemason stuff is because of how much more expensive the airport was than originally expected. Like I talked about in the beginning, they spent about, like, $2 million more over budget than they said they were going to. Mm-hmm. And people are like, okay, so where did the money come from? Right. You know? And so some people say, oh, it's Illuminati money. They say that this money was given to the airport in exchange for secret use of some of their buildings. Hmm. Um, and the airport's explanation, which is also on their website. Um, <laughs> they know. Yeah, they people... <laughs> know if people are questioning their, their moves. They're like, listen, man, we're just taking you places. Yeah. Here's a, y'all, y'all are crazy. We're just an airport. God. Nothing else. One day we'll fly there. <laughs> yeah, we should. See the shit for ourselves. So their explanation for the expenses is that the first few buildings were not properly built. But instead of demolishing these buildings... They just buried them and built more on top. That's what I do with my emotions. <laughs> Alright, I'm gonna stop talking. I'm sorry I keep interrupting you. <laughs> no, that's true, because that's what I do, too. I... So that actually leads into our fourth conspiracy, talking about, like, how apparently they built buildings, but they didn't build them right. And instead of demolishing them, they were just like, okay, we're just gonna build on top of them. Also, it's super weird that if you're shelling out all this money, especially for, like, a, a, a big project like this, that you just have a bunch of buildings that aren't built correctly, and instead of, like, fixing them, unless, I mean, I guess with, like, no, I just don't understand. structural yeah. issues, you can't really fix but some But how does things. that happen in the first place? But, yeah. Like, who was the construction crew? Yeah, how, how do you just work? have several buildings in such a big project that's just not built right? That's fucked up. That's, yeah, that's, that's weird. I can see where that's a yeah. weird point. And that sort of leads into our next conspiracy, which is about, like, apparent, like, underground bunkers at the airport. Yes. Um, <laughs> so this is actually, this is actually a pretty great theory, I think. So there's always, like, this impending doom of the apocalypse on a lot of people's minds. I don't know about you guys, but, like, I think about it often. Like, we're halfway through it. Lately, I've been thinking that I should really learn how to hotwire a car for when the apocalypse happens. That's smart. Can we start apocalypse training? Yeah. Every Sunday. I've literally been thinking about this for, like... So this, you know, impending doom that a lot of people have over the apocalypse, whether it's going to be zombies, whether it's going to be because of an asteroid, you know, or a virus. (laughs) Um, So theorists believe that there are underground tunnels in the airport, including a train that runs between lobby areas and a broken baggage system, which makes sense because, you know, the airport actually talked about how they built buildings wrong and then just fucking buried them and built the actual good buildings on top of it. That is super strange. Yeah. 
And apparently that was their excuse for the delay in the opening of the airport. Like, oh yeah, we had to build over it. <laughs> Some of these people believe that these tunnels contain bunkers, possibly built by lizard people slash aliens. <laughs> Illuminati is yeah. Beyonce there? That's like a whole nother episode talking about the lizard people. It's all Yonce and Jay-Z. And, and Al Gore. Mark Zuckerberg. Al Gore. <laughs> Eminem. And Justin Bieber. I love looking into Illuminati stuff because it's just so fucking wild. And, yeah. Oh, uh, Emily, I, I probably should have told you this when you first moved in, but I am in the Illuminati. I signed up on their website. It was super easy. I get their monthly email blasts. You're a member? I'm a member. Honestly, and, and so far, none of this stuff is anything I know about, but I'm probably <laughs> not up high enough in the no. network of Illuminati's. I'm not up to Jay-Z's level, no, so I just, no. I don't know. One no. day, I'll understand Al Gore, but it's not today. Not today. <laughs> anyway, go on. <laughs> so, they believe that these tunnels are going to serve as, like, a safe place for the world's elite mm-hmm. when the apocalypse comes, and that makes so much sense, because... That's their whole shtick, is that, like, they only pick certain people because they will be able to contribute to society after the fall of, oh, damn. you know, society. Ooh, hot take. So, like, you know, you and me, they wouldn't give a fuck. No one does. Exactly. So, you know, they'd be picking, like, fucking... Beyonce. Yeah, just because, you know, she sings, and they're like, we can't afford to lose her. They're like, we simply can't have a society without Beyonce. Betty White's in there. Yeah. They Danny, take Dr. Fauci. Danny, Danny DeVito. They would take Danny DeVito. Do you hear that, Danny? Guys, tiny Danny DeVito's here, and I'm sure you're all aware that he uh, records with us. Oh, yeah. Every time Danny DeVito's here, I simply refuse to live in a world without Danny DeVito, so he must be on that list as well. I feel like he would. He's national treasure. Dolly Parton, probably. Oh, yeah. So that was sort of the gist of the idea of the underground bunkers, and, you know, the airport kind of was like, yeah, there are some underground buildings, but that's just because we fucked up. And built on top of them. That's so weird. Yeah. So the last conspiracy that I'm going to talk about is actually the air, the artwork in the airport, which I have looked at a few pictures and like what, like I said, I'm an artist. I went to art school. Some of those fucking murals should not be in a freaking airport Ooh, where really? people are putting their lives in the hands of a pilot. Oh no! Why? Like, how many feet, like, how high do planes go? You know, like, 40,000. 37,000. Yeah, like, no thank you. I do not want to see that when I'm on my way to the fucking terminal. Like, I'm really? Why? What is it? Like, carnage? Yeah! Okay, <laughs> Viscera! Well, this is why. So, Just pictures of planes plummeting li- from the sky. You Literally. So, like, a lot of people are like, okay, there's some really whack-ass art that decorates this airport. And so some of the artworks are made by this guy named Leo Tenguma. Um, and some believe his murals contain Nazi imagery and believe that this is proof of the link between the airport and a fascist secret society. Um, and Taguma's work is actually, this is what he says, he says that his work is actually about world peace and a healthy environment. Um, and he told this to the Denver Post. Um, and this is sort of strange because in some of his murals, like, there's one titled, Children of the World Dream of Peace, and there's another titled In Peace and Harmony with Nature. And in these murals, there are literally death-masked soldiers stalking children with guns. Um, There are dead animals kept under glass, and the world in the mural looks destroyed. Okay, so, yeah, that's fucked up and definitely shouldn't be in a place like an airport, but also... 
you know more than I do, artists are pretty fucking dramatic sometimes. Yeah, and... And being like, oh, see, this is the reality of the world, and I don't want mm-hmm. it to be that way. Yeah. So the children dream of peace yeah. because this is what the world is like now, and they don't want that. Yeah, so that's so basically what Tanguma said. He was talking to this um, web, this magazine called Zing Magazine, and he was quoted saying, I have children sleeping amid the debris of war, and this warmonger is killing the dove of peace. But the kids are dreaming of something better in the future, and their little dream goes behind the general and continues behind this group of people, and the kids are dreaming that peace will happen someday. So it's like, yeah, okay, this depicts, like, a really fucked up scene, but... It's with purpose. Yeah, it's like, okay, but these children are dreaming, like, the next generation is dreaming of something that's better. Yeah, so, like, that that makes sense, and I get that. Put it in an art museum, yeah. not an airport where yeah. children are trying to go on vacation with their families in fucking Colorado. Yeah, no, that's absolutely fucked up. Like, and I'm, I'm super opinionated when it comes to art. Like, my professors would always fucking berate me and be like, you cannot be this opinionated about art. You need to be more open-minded. I say, fuck you. They say as they give you grades know, on your work. right? It's like, no, I'm going to be opinionated. Abstract art fucking sucks. That's my case. I'm not recorded. This is not a podcast about art. (laughs) I had a lot of art major friends in college, and we would just, like, stack things on top of other things and go, look, modern art. This is commentary on, like, we would stack, like, our cups in the dining hall and be like, look, it's modern art. It's commentary on how the world relies on water. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And that's, like, you know, in the art world, they'll be like, oh, that's fucking brilliant. Fucking brilliant. But, yeah, anyways, this is not an art podcast. I like stuff that's pretty. (laughs) Um, so another thing that the airport has is they have a lot of gargoyles placed around the airport. Nice. And some, some people find it weird, but, like, throughout history, gargoyles have been used to ward off evil spirits. Yeah, I watched gargoyles as a child. That's probably too, that's probably even too old for you, gargoyles. Uh, when I think of gargoyles, I think of Hunchback of Notre Dame and stuff like that. I think um, of the TV show Gargoyles, which was a cartoon for children about gargoyles that fight that came to life at night and fought crime. <laughs> I loved it. So apparently these gargoyles are, like, placed around the baggage claims and stuff to, quote-unquote, keep people's belongings safe. Okay. So, I mean, I guess it makes sense. I yeah. never really thought they were scary. I thought they were cool, but yeah. that's also because we love weird shit, so, like, right. I don't know. So, like, it just seems like they had someone with kind of weird taste decorate this place. Yeah, I, I, I would like to talk to whoever decided what would go into this place, because I definitely do not want to see fucking war and guns and fire and... I feel like an airport's not the place to be talking about war. No. Oh my god, like... Especially with the giant evil blue horse outside. Come on, Yeah, I, who the hell decided this shit? I mean, okay, I'm not, you know, no offense to, like, Louis Jimenez, who built Lucifer, like... Yeah, that's cool, but maybe not paint it blue like that, and maybe not give it those red-ass eyes that, like, people can see from the fucking highway, you know? Well, we live in Rochester, and we have horse sculptures everywhere. I don't know if you've noticed, because you have only lived here during a pandemic, so you haven't been out and about that much. No, we have paintings. Yeah, in this area, we have, um, like, a ton of horse sculptures. They're, like, all around the city and the suburbs. Um, like, there's one in downtown Pittsburgh right by Naz, and they're all, like, painted differently. Like, all the different suburbs have one downtown. Mm-hmm. There's one, you know, on the highway, like, right outside our house. There's, like, the big red, white, and blue one. Yeah, I've seen that um, a lot. And so, like, it's, like, a, a thing, I guess. And I having, think it's, like, like, a wild... Artistic like, like, horses, I get it, but, like... Yeah, no, it's, Of like, all things to have outside an airport full of war, you're just gonna have a big blue, red, red horse. <laughs> I mean, it's like Jimena said, like, 
Uh, horses in general, I feel like, especially, like, wild horses are kind of seen as, like, a free symbol. Yeah. Like, a free spirit. So I do get that. Yeah. Um, and I think he did have a reason for painting it blue. I think it um, connected to um, his personal life. Um, I think his family, like, owned, uh, like, a convenience store sort of thing. And, like, there was always, you know, the open sign. That, okay. like, light that's, like, sparks red and blue. So mm-hmm. I think that was, like, also his meaning behind that. But at the same time, if you're going to have this huge-ass artwork out in public for all to see, I feel like putting your personal stuff into that like people are going to take it differently you know like artwork yeah. seen so many different ways so it's interpreted I, it definitely looks evil to me and i think that's really just because of the red eyes and it is huge i don't know, look it up i've seen it before but i want to see it i never realized it was like all that big I and it, i mean it did it did kill yeah that ma- blows maker, so my that, mind yeah what blucifer is a kind of weed it's a strain yeah. of weed. Yeah. Lucifer. Because it's fucking Colorado, bro. I love it. But yes, anyway. Man. Oh, he definitely does look evil. Yeah. He Yeah. Um, everyone listening right now, Google Lucifer. Uh, we should put a picture of him on the Instagram, too. Yeah, we will. So you can see him. He definitely does look evil as fuck. We should it's put the red the... eyes. Yeah. Because we always associate, like, r- red eyes and stuff with, like, Evil, evil as fuck, yeah, stuff. for like, sure. Like, red's not really seen as a happy That's color. That's why when I was, like, picking out a hedgehog, because y'all, I have a hedgehog, uh, when I was picking one out and I told Nick I was just specifically was not going to have one with red eyes. Yeah, no, that's creepy <laughs> as fuck. Like, the bunnies with red eyes? Yeah, fuck that. Mm-mm. All right, so that's, like, a basic lowdown, hoedown of hoedown, throwdown. the main conspiracies regarding the Denver airport. I definitely, hot take, I definitely do believe that there's probably something going on underground. Yeah. But I think people are either on the wrong track or blowing the track out of proportion. But yeah. Also, I mean, who the fuck knows? I don't know anything. Yeah, I mean... Could be I, totally right. This, like, whole Nazism thing is kind of hard yeah, for me yeah. to see. That's a stretch. Especially, like, when you actually look at the runway from above. Like, I just... You're gonna blow your it. rotator cuff with that reach, bro. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was a good one. Thanks, Martha. <laughs> And, like, especially, like, a lot of people, especially, like, natives, are like, no, that's the fucking Navajo language. That's right. not some weird racist symbol. Right. You know? Or that's from the periodic table, you dumb hoe. Yeah, sorry, y'all just don't know stuff. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I'd go there and I'd be like, what is this crazy symbol? Right. <laughs> Dude. Let, and so this is, is that all you have for the, mm-hmm. okay. So, obviously on this podcast we're going to be talking a lot of conspiracy theories yeah. and weird shit like that. Keep in mind... This Denver airport, because like I said, everything mm-hmm. comes back to the Denver airport. Like, I will at some point do the Elridge and the Philadelphia experiment because that is my favorite thing in the world. And that comes back to the Denver airport. Mm-hmm. And it comes specifically, weirdly enough, to Rochester. Oh, wow. And the subway system. Oh, okay. All that right. was very interesting, very spooky. When we go on our cross-country road trip in the van that we're going to buy someday. Um, we're dreamers. We, we are dreamers. We're going to, we first of all, dreams. go to the Denver airport. Yeah. I want to hear if anybody listening, the tens of people that are listening, yeah, to the have you ever people. been to the Denver airport? Like, does it yeah. seem scary to you? Like, do you step in there and be like, mm, this got a weird vibe. What, what are yeah. these weird symbols? Like, I Or did you, yeah. did you notice any of the weird stuff? Did it yeah. stick out to you? Did yeah. it seem totally normal? Can you see Lucifer from the planes when you're coming down? Because that would be creepy. Well, I know you can see him from, like, the highways. 
Um, oh, so people are always like, even like dead of night, you can just see the glowing eyes from like yards away. <laughs> yards. I just a lot of yards away. I don't know. <laughs> just from just from several yards away, you can see it. or meters. So it's pretty fucked up. So you see those red eyes, you'd be like, oh, we must be near the Denver airport. Oh, we're near Satan. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that officially concludes episode three. Thanks for uh, sitting tight and waiting for us while we figured out the yeah. Spotify thing now. We're on Spotify. If you're listening right now on Spotify, fuck yeah. If you're listening on Podbean, also fuck yeah. Just as long as we are in your ears, we're happy. Uh, but we figured out the Spotify thing. Yeah, Apple podcast is coming yep that, that's in the works should be out soon uh we were really happy to get back into this oh yeah and we're gonna be pumping episodes out now. yeah now that we're back in it we're back in the saddle we're gonna now that we're back in the saddle on blucifer we are careening towards some excellent content so i'm excited i'm already ready for my next topic Ooh, are you yeah. Should I do I'm something ready. similar or something different? I don't know. We're going to have to talk about it. Yeah, we'll talk about that. It's a surprise. It's a surprise. All right. Uh, follow us once again mm-hmm. on Instagram at UCF Podcast, on Instagram and Twitter. If you have any stories that you want us to share in a potential campfire episode, you can email us any of your thoughts, feelings, personal stories, etc. Yeah, those are going to be fun. On UCF.pod at Gmail. Uh, stay spooky, my friends. <laughs>